You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I'm once again joined by my esteemed deputy editor, Mr. John Dixon. John, are you still football hungover like myself? Oh, man. From <laughs> it is the two-day football hangover, isn't it? I know. It's crazy, isn't it? What a game on Sunday. I, I just... I, I... I was having heart palpitations. I don't know about anybody else. Well, I'm, worried I'm too about old that. for this. You're too, too, just, you're too old for that. Too maybe, old for this. maybe we'll have you sit out Chiefs and Bengals. You can go to the park or something. That way you don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> I could, pigeons. I, I'll be honest with you. I've gotten to a point now where, okay, reasonably, covering football has become regular, going to Arrowhead, and even for a playoff right. game that isn't an AFC title. So I'm sitting in the press box and this is as nervous as I, and I really don't get nervous ever. Like when I'm watching these games, I'm always just trying to like take notes and stuff, but I could, I was sitting there and I was on the edge of my seat in this press box. Mm-hmm. And it was, yeah. it was the greatest game that I have ever seen in, in my eight years covering the chiefs. I went to the uh, super bowl too. And I mean that, I guess you have to put as number one because there's a championship on the line and, and the chiefs sure. were down 10 points and, and what a comeback that was. But my God, I just think being this on the brink of losing when the Chiefs were down in the Super Bowl, there was six, seven minutes left. This was 13 right. seconds. I was I was done. I mean, I, I thought we were done. I, I thought Steve and I would be getting together today, maybe to talk about the offseason podcast schedule. Mm-hmm. And maybe Patrick Mahomes knew he didn't want to hear any offseason podcast yet and probably just said, OK, I'm going to turn intrinsically and get this done but man what a set of circumstances and to go to Tyree Kill and to Travis Kelsey and the Kelsey play and we're going to get into our our marinated takeaways but just the pure emotion of the game and Arrowhead and I think about the joy for Chiefs fans and I I do feel a little bit for Bills fans because I think there is a distant respect between Chiefs fans and Bills fans and that is a rip your heart out loss that you'll never forget I and and the Chiefs have been there right before in the the history of their franchise and you wonder if the Bills eventually get their turn but my god what a game what a game yeah I I was uh meaning to ask you uh, uh how many times the uh, press box PA had to remind uh, those in the press box that it was a working press box on Sunday I, night. <laughs> I think all the rules were thrown out the window. This was because <laughs> you also have chiefs personnel in there for the PR departments and same thing with the bills and they're invested too. And I, I, I don't think you could blame bills fans and, and their supporters and their PR staff from thinking they had won sure. that game yeah. and we're going to sure. host the AFC title in Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah. And and that franchise is, is a tortured one, too, because of Tom Brady and the Patriots and everything that went into that. And they've been waiting to host that type of game in Buffalo for a long time with the jumping into the tables and stuff like that. And look, this is just going to go into the Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen book 
that is their rivalry and and this is just the second chapter of it and this is a tough one and you know when you, you think about Patrick Mahomes and how expensive he is now the bills were still in a window where Josh Allen wasn't all that expensive and now he gets more expensive so you just wonder about yeah. that window too what a game I I just I mean I can't get over it I, it's rare we even start the podcast just talking about the game but I, right I, it'll be something I remember forever and I know that's the the case for a lot of Chiefs fans okay we have some reviews to oh, read boy. and then we will get into this podcast I think we read this one the last time. Chiefs of the Rockies, we did. So here's the, the next one. Five-star review from Sites8125. I live in Iowa. The pod network allows me to listen in and get some deeper information on all things Chiefs. It helps me prep for the game as a fan. It makes me eager to watch some football. Appreciate all the hard work. Thank you very much. That was a, a good one. Nice. All right, another nice. one. Five stars. You have a great lineup. I love the British Chiefs, and they are hilarious as they struggle to speak understandable English. <laughs> while nattering on about auto racing and the soccer team from Lower Dingleberry. The editor's show is fantastic. The podium show would be better if the questions were audible. Show and BK yeah. is top-notch, but they need to mute that beard and butthead snickering prevalent in the background. Overall, good job, and I listen every day. Quick note about the the from the podium. We don't control the mics on the question askers, the reporters. Yeah. Uh, so when they're in person, they're they're going to be lower. What's good actually about Zoom, and right. I don't love I don't love the press conferences on Zoom, but you you do hear all the reported questions. Right. And then we got another five five star review. This is the uh, most interesting one of the week. This is from Wesley Bernius. I've been a Chiefs fan all my life down here in Texas, and I've listened to this podcast for about four years now. I love the editor show and from the podium, but I have a serious problem with the show BK and Serta. The show. When it comes to predicting the score for the upcoming game, why in the world would you pick the other team in a playoff game? You work for the Chiefs. You're Chiefs writers and supposed to be Chiefs fans. I promise you nobody, and I mean nobody on the Buffalo side, is predicting the Chiefs to win. So when Serta thinks he says Buffalo will win, then go work for them. I think a lot will agree with me in that we don't want to listen to that. You don't work for ESPN or Fox. I don't care. You'd be right. You should care more about your team winning rather than being right. It's ridiculous. Get this dude off the show. So I asked you, are you not a Chiefs fan or not? Thankfully, he still has five stars. That sounded like a two-star review, and uh, we appreciate you still leaving the five stars. I don't think it was Serta predicting the Bills. I think it was BK, and I think that here on this podcast network, we promote let's be as honest as we can, and I think right. there was reason to believe the Bills were trending up and, and had a chance in this game, and so we respect everyone's predictions. We do it so that you guys can get an honest take and an honest few takes about how we're feeling about the games and, and it's okay. If you want to predict the other team, you can, I, I haven't predicted the other team in, in quite a long time. And I remember doing it quite a bit in the Alex days. I just don't mm -hmm. bet against this quarter. I was, I was prepared to, I was going to bet on Aaron Rodgers, which might've been a mistake as it turns out uh, going into that game. But then he ended up on the COVID list and it changed the whole complexion of the game. So we'll see. We'll see if I end up picking the, the other team. I know I won't do it for the rest of the year. Now. I, I just think the chiefs are a better team than the rest of the, the teams. Left right. Oh yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. I, I think it'd be very difficult to pick against the chiefs in the rest of the postseason. I think I've picked against the chiefs once this year Yeah, and I was wrong. I did it in the wrong place. You know about your Browns transgressions. Yeah. <laughs> not not as bad as that Browns prediction in my first year. Right. Right. No. Not as bad as that. I'll never live that down, no. but I also think we should point out, we don't work for the chiefs. Okay, yeah, let's be clear right now. We do not work for the Chiefs. Did I mention we don't work for the Chiefs? <laughs> hey, been there, done that, you know. <laughs> Greener pastures. All right. Yeah. 
let's oh yeah if you want to leave a review we'll read it here oh, yeah. uh, as yeah. we always say but let's yeah. get into this news we have the news we'll go through andy Reid quick we have our marinated takeaways best chiefs thing first thing uh, to talk about here john is a transaction an interesting one yeah. alan saunders in from the injured reserve list and josh gordon out with an intention of signing him to the practice squad to me you know you have Defoe, Darius Fountain, that's been in the mix, and he provides some special teams value. But this is just a value thing. Josh Gordon had his opportunities. I believe he started seven games for the Chiefs, couldn't get it done. And so I think the Chiefs see more value in potential defensive line depth. I don't think this means Colin Saunders is suddenly back in the rotation necessarily, but in the yeah. case, he'll be available for the Chiefs. And, and we've seen injuries happen in the playoffs before. Right. And um, and yes, I, I don't think it necessarily closes the door on Josh Gordon. You know, obviously they want to get him back on the practice squad, have him as an option because uh, they have unlimited opportunities to elevate practice squad players. Well, right. which is to say they can only do two per game, but there's no limit on how many times a particular player can be elevated in right. the first season. So uh, he'll still be available to them, providing that he clears waivers. And I think he will. Um, so I think we'll, we'll, he'll be available to the team and then they'll reevaluate at the end of the season. Maybe he'll get a reserve futures contract for, for next year. And we'll continue this, uh, this watch of, uh, what happens with Josh Gordon. I don't know if it's going to happen for him here. I think sometimes once Andy Reid has kind of moved on from you, that he's moved on from you now yeah. we'll see. I mean, there's been guys that have struggled this year and, and have really, I think, come out on the other side, like I'm a Cole Hardman, for example, who we got to hear a little bit from yesterday. If you want to hear him, it's available on From the Podium. We're just going to go through Reed, but you have Harrison Butker also talking as, as well as Hardman on Monday. It's it's AFC title week, so they're, they're providing some players as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I it, it's tough because I, I think Gordon had his opportunities and he had a lot of drops. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and eventually, I think the Chiefs got to the bye week and said, we need to be playing Byron, Byron Pringle a bit more. And he's right. had his drops, too, but he's also had his his big time catches yeah. mm-hmm. as well, yeah. including yeah. The, the touchdown. So I think three playoff touchdowns, right, for Pringle? Am I am I counting that correctly? I believe yeah, that might be right. Yeah, I haven't that, at least I, two. So yeah. um, a, a a credit to to Byron Pringle and and him really I think being able to emerge after the bye week absolutely another piece of news here Chiefs didn't have Rashad Fenton for the second week in a row back issue uh, Tyron Matthew the Chiefs lost I believe it was after seven plays we're about to get into snap counts here but uh, six ten sports uh, Bob Fesco is reporting that the Chiefs are optimistic on these two. And it seems small, but I, I can't tell you how important this is. I, I don't think this game is an NFL classic last Sunday if Tyron Matthew is playing, because I don't think the Bills would have been scoring into mm. the mid-30s and the 40s. I think it was the perfect storm for the rest of the NFL to get this. I think the secondary was a bit of a mess. Gabriel Davis has no business going off for 200 yards and, and the four touchdowns and i just don't think it's happening with tyron matthew directing traffic so that is absolutely critical when you're facing a team in which a wide receiver in jamar chase won off right. for 266 yards against you the last time it, and mm-hmm. and that was with matthew so you need him to be playing and rashad fenton is completely to me john under underrated in the sense oh, yeah. of yeah he comes into the game when Legarius Sneed slides over and you feel good about that outside cornerback and you can continue to use Matthew in different ways. I had seen at the beginning of this game before Matthew got the unfortunate concussion that the Chiefs were working him a little bit more in the slot and then it became an absolute mess. And I again, I, I know that 
with everything that happened and how great this game was, it gets a little bit lost that if Matthew was playing, the Chiefs might win this game by at least 10 points. I mm-hmm. you'll never know. Completely hypothetical, but I just think he's that important. There are a lot of people who think that Matthew is not that important because he doesn't show a lot of stats. He doesn't show up in the box score. But all of the defensive players, you know, even guys in different position groups go on and on about how important he is as a leader, as as somebody who's out there, you know, directing traffic, as you put it. Um, It makes an and, and his ability to be used almost anywhere in the field. Um, I think is is something that is really underrated. You know, that's one of the problems with the defensive back. Sometimes a defensive back has no stats because they don't throw to him. You know, you don't have any, <laughs> you don't get any stats in the box score if nobody puts the ball towards you as a defensive back. So I, I'm not sure that the lack of stats with Matthew really tells us anything. I'm more right. interested in what the players have to say about it. And they say he's a critical part of the defense. So I agree with you. I think it's entirely possible. We'll never well, know, of course, but yeah, and here's, here's a, the game to be different. Here's an example with the team still left. And, and again, another hypothetical here, Jalen Ramsey of the, of the Rams. Now yeah. he'll have a game and, and you'll be like, well, where are all the passes defense? Where are the interceptions? Yeah. But the top receiver for the other team had 20 yards. That's the type of impact that Matthew has. It's looking at at the other side. And I just, I have a hard time believing Gabe freaking Davis has 201 yards if Matthew's on the field. And he was the best receiver for for the Bills. And again, the recipient of four touchdowns. He's not having four touchdowns if Matthew's on the field. I'm sorry. So I, I just think it's a huge impact and you need to try to be as full strength as possible. Anyway, we'll see. First injury report comes Wednesday afternoon. We always have the injury report for you at arrowheadpride.com it's a it's a one of those pete and john dixon tandem things johnson <laughs> you're like taking care of the car inside i don't know what you're doing with that excel sheet but it spits out a, a beautiful uh table for us of the injury <laughs> statuses so we appreciate that as well the chiefs they get this sunday afternoon game you know how i feel about this if you've listened to the editor show thank god i'm so sick yeah. of doing these night games so we're very excited about the 2 p.m start um, the Chiefs have opened as seven-point favorites. To me, an initial opening, it seems a little high against the Bengals. I don't know how you feel about this, John, but I, I, I came across being like, wow, a touchdown? I don't know. I feel like may, I definitely think the Chiefs should be favored, but it feels more like four and a half to me, but maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm just a little bit too invested into what happened in the last game. Yeah, maybe. I, 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 I see your point. But I don't think seven points is that unreasonable. Um, I think that the last game, uh, there was a lot of stuff that added up to the the result that might not happen again. You know, the officiating, I'm not going to say the officiating was slanted towards uh, the Bengals. I think it just played out that way. And that happens sometimes. Uh, The Chiefs made a couple of bad mistakes that... Uh, that defensive call on third and 27 obviously was a was a terrible mistake they'd like to have back. Those things all add up to the loss. And I don't see that those things necessarily will be the case when these two teams play. I'd also like to mention that we're dealing kind of with the same situation with the Bengals that we did with the Bills. This is another long-suffering Midwestern yeah. fan base that you'd really like to see be rewarded with a win. 
but not at our expense. Let's be clear on that. Uh, yeah, no, no. I, I'm with you. And but uh, should the Chiefs lose this game, I'll be rooting for them. Yeah, the Bengals really give me the sense that they're playing at this level a year early. I think they were predicting mm. maybe this to be more of a, a 2022 thing. Like, let's make the playoffs and and mm-hmm. and yeah, I can see that. Hey, you're you're only a year early until you're not, and yeah. they have a grand opportunity here to to go in and get to a Super Bowl. I don't think it's going to happen. I, I think this game will be different at Arrowhead Stadium. You mentioned the point about the referees, not that you know you don't have 60 minutes to go and win a game, but it tends to typically be better at home. I'm sure their Chiefs fans would be like, well, well, yeah, but what about the Titans game? Yeah. Hey, I completely agree with you. It's not a hard and fast rule, but typically speaking, right, you tend to get the calls at home a little bit more, and so we will see if that goes down the way that Chiefs fans want on Sunday. What is interesting about those odds is typically – You'll have the odds released, and then they change quickly. They were released on Sunday after this Chiefs win, and they haven't shifted yet. It's still minus a a touchdown in favor of the Chiefs. So that's a good sign that the betting public really thinks the line is right. I'm just surprised by it, but hey, who am I? I'm a guy who loses money typically when I bet. So, all right. (laughs) Um, By the way, weird, weird turn events. I've made picks every every round of the playoffs. I've been winless on Saturdays and I have not lost any other day. I won the Monday night game. I've been perfect in my Sunday predictions, but my Saturday I've, I've gone Oh, for four now, uh, weird, weird circumstances. So I've broken even every, every round of the playoffs here. Good for me. And I just got to say this, and I know this podcast is, but, but good for me for coming back every Sunday and winning my money back. I mean, I, I could, it could have been the other way where you just keep on losing, but come on, I'm making, making the right picks on Sunday. <laughs> The Chiefs remain favorites for the Super Bowl. This, this again, is not not in writing, right? You still have to play these games, but I, I just think right now, John, and I don't know how you feel even about these NFC teams, but I just think the Chiefs are better than every team left, and that's clear in the odds, and that's got to be a really good feeling right now. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I just don't see uh, teams that, that really scare me no. um, the rest of the way. You know, we can argue about whether the point spread is correct in this AFC championship, but um, you know, I don't in the 49ers and the Rams, I see a couple of teams that the Chiefs could beat. Yeah. Um, I'm not going, oh my gosh, we can't, you know, we can't do that. So Mahomes uh, and Burrow is is a little closer, right? You feel mm, that way. Yeah. But I mean, you're talking about I don't, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but you're talking about Mahomes versus Stafford. We've already seen Mahomes versus Jimmy G and that overthrow and everything that didn't went into that. So man, I <laughs> How, how wild would it be if the Chiefs were able to take care of business and then somehow the 49ers pull off another upset and it's Mahomes versus Jimmy G2 for a championship? <laughs> what are the chances of that? It's so weird. It reminds me of 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 the the Patriots like randomly getting the Giants the two times and li- they ended up losing. I know the Chiefs got the one, but it's just a, a random team to sort of have in the mix. I don't mm-hmm. think anyone really thought this Cinderella version of the the 49ers was was, was going to do it. But you saw in Kansas City what can happen when you have a quarterback waiting in the wings and the motivation that goes into that. Jimmy G is not playing the perfect football, but he's playing well enough to win in the playoffs and go beat Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field. So to me, hey, that's good enough. I'm sure 49ers fans are ecstatic right now. Well, those were bizarre games in the NFC last weekend. Uh, just <laughs> well, yeah, weird. Just weird games. Um, I thought that Tom Brady was going to pull that out. It might have been his last game. 
we were getting way off topic. So let's get yeah, back okay. into we were supposed to be on topic today and be yeah, a little quicker. You, and here we are just talking about, about that, didn't you? Tom Brady, Look yeah, we're gonna talk about Tom Brady's <laughs> family and how that's impacting. What are we doing? All right, let's get into snap counts from from Chiefs and Bills. John, you have been diving into this. What have you learned so far? Yeah, uh, a couple of interesting things uh, in this game. And I'll put it the way the article's going to put it when it's released a little later today. Yeah. Uh, would you have predicted that after what happened with Willie Gay Jr. in this past week, that he would be the linebacker who had the most snaps in this game? I wouldn't have, but that's yeah. what happened. Willie Gay Jr. had the the largest percentage of snaps among the linebackers, followed by Nick Bolton and then Anthony Hitchens. Uh, I wouldn't have predicted that. That's that's, and I, I know a lot of fans will be all about that. Uh, they would rather see these young guys get get that work. Um, Daniel Sorensen, of course, had to play a lot more snaps after Tyron Matthew left the game, but interestingly. Uh, he didn't play as a safety very much, uh, compared to his normal use in that kind of a situation, uh, coming in as a back, uh, backup. He played according to PFF, uh, 21 snaps as a slot cornerback. And, uh, I think it was, uh, four snaps as a, a outs on the outside and just 12 snaps as a free safety. Um, and that well, I think so that that was the plan for Matthew. Right. Right. Exactly. He basically did take over Matthew's role. And, uh, in those third safety situations, Armani Watts was in there. He had, mm. uh, I think about a dozen snaps and almost all of them were, uh, as a free safety. So that was kind of interesting. Um, and, um, the other thing was, uh, the running backs, that uh, really struck me. You get Clyde Edwards, Alaire back as a starter. He did well enough in a game. You might've thought that he had more snaps, but that's not what they did. The starter comes back and the chiefs relied more on Jarek McKinnon, the hot hand right. than they did on Edwards, Alaire. Now, of course, Edwards, Alaire made the most of those opportunities. It's not like he just had 20% of the snaps or something, um, but uh, uh, he didn't get as many as McKinnon in this game. Clyde was running angry, and I thought it was yeah. impressive. It put a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. I think you could clearly tell that. But uh, good for the Chiefs for sticking with McKinnon. I think sometimes they lean a little too heavily on what is the original starter or, mm -hmm. in some cases, a veteran. I know that McKinnon has played longer than Clyde, obviously. I could kind of tell that they were going to do this. I had my Andy Reid radar going because he doesn't reveal anything. <laughs> But I had a feeling in the way he was speaking about this that they were going to lean into McKinnon, and you have to. I mean, he clearly looks yeah. like the best running back right now, even though Clyde had a pretty good game. What will be interesting is if the Chiefs get Daryl back now. I don't know how he fits right. sometimes, and you've seen this in the offensive line, and, and Stefan Wisniewski comes to mind. I think you just have to continue to go with what worked the last game in the postseason. I think Andy Reid knows that, and so Daryl may be – that third back, but who am I? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, we'll, we'll see how this plays out when the Chiefs get the, the Bengals on Sunday. But some interesting snap count takeaways. You can dive into that article coming up at arrowheadpride.com later on Tuesday. All right, so we've gone through the news and the snap counts. When we come back, we'll take on Andy Reid's Monday afternoon press conference. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon, coming off one of the greatest games in NFL history, the Chiefs' 42-36 overtime win over the Buffalo Bills. They advanced to their fourth straight AFC title at home at Arrowhead Stadium. That has never been done in NFL history. I'm sure that you fans out there have have been been diving into this game. And the first interesting thing that came out of the press conference was just the aspect of the coin toss in overtime and how four years ago, when that streak started, Tom Brady and the New England Patriots got the ball first and they went and scored a touchdown. And then Josh Allen goes up there and he calls tails and tails failed. And the Chiefs got the ball first and they went and scored the touchdown. Andy Reid asked about wanting to change those rules after the 2018 season. Here's Andy. I don't know, but I'm glad they didn't. We didn't change as of last night. But I, you know, I had a chance to talk with Sean afterwards, and you know, that's I'm sure something that they're, they're going to look at again too. And I, uh, I, mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I, I, I just that's a hard thing. I mean, one team. It was great for us last night, but is it great for the game, which is the most important thing that we shall all be looking out for. So, um, you know, it, it, it probably, you know, to make things equal, it probably needs to be able to uh, hit both, uh, both offenses, both defenses. So. <laughs> so you hear that he was glad that they hadn't gotten that proposal through <laughs> John. I think it, 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 I feel two ways about this, and I think it's okay to feel both ways. I've felt for a while that both teams needed to touch the ball in overtime. Now, mm-hmm. you know going into this game what the rules are. So if the Buffalo Bills could, let's say, travel in some time continuum and take a three-point lead kicking off with 13 seconds left, I think they take that every single time. So, mm-hmm. granted, yeah. you, get, you get to a coin toss, and you let that happen. You let that happen with a grand opportunity to go host an AFC title game. Now, I also think that the rules need to be changed in the sense that both, both teams should be touching, touching the football. It gets a little weird because, say, the first team scores a touchdown, and then you give it to the other team, and then now they have the opportunity to go for two, and you don't see the ball. So it, it's a hard problem to really fix. I think it's a harder problem to fix than, than maybe we even realize. Maybe the best solution is a, a full overtime quarter. But the rules are the rules, and the Bills knew them, in my opinion, and, and the Chiefs ended up taking advantage of that. Well, you're taking away one of my marinated takeaways, but that's okay. Oh, we'll, that's go okay. Ahead and, we'll go ahead and, and talk about this now since, sure. uh, since the coach addressed it. What do you think the percentage of – how often do you think the team that wins the coin toss wins the game? What's that percentage in your, in your mind? It's got to be like 75%. It's 52%. Mm. Well, and the the team that does not win the coin toss wins the game about around 40 percent of the time. The rest of the games are ties. (laughs) So with that information, it's hard for me to go away from the coin toss. It's almost quite literally a coin flip. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Right. 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 So I've come around on this. I was upset about it. I was upset about it again in that first game against the Patriots. Everybody was. 
because it doesn't. And and yes, it would have been fun to see Patrick Mahomes come into the game and, and play. But here's the problem. It's not just about the outcomes of the games. It's also about not getting players hurt. When players are tired, they're more likely to get hurt. Right. The NFLPA is never going to go along with a full quarter over time because it would just it would just increase the probability of injuries. These guys would get worn out by playing an extra quarter of a football game. I would have been I before I'll I'll admit it, I was all about just putting in another quarter. But now that I've been on the other side of it and I know what the percentages are, which I didn't know the last time that this conversation came up within Chiefs Kingdom. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that I would change it. I, I'm not sure that I would. I, they, they changed it to 10 minutes and we've seen more ties right. because of that. Right. Correct. And it is because of, of injuries. What I would say with the 10 minutes, and, and this would be my counter argument is that they're usually getting to close to the end of that anyway. I mean, it, the wind sometimes comes and it, and it, you know, there's two minutes left or we'll see the clock get all the way down. I think I would like to see a full 10 minute quarter, let them play it out. And if that 10 minute quarter ends, then it becomes sudden death to me. And there's strategy that could go into that. Like say one team gets a field goal and then all of a sudden you have the ball and you're able to drain this bonus right. quarter mm -hmm. and get to yep. the sudden death, mm -hmm. right? Like then it, you know, there there's, there's different ways to like kind of go about it. But I think playing the one, quarter and just having that and and that way odds are the other team is going to see the possession and, and then you know it gives them an opportunity then i i think i don't know to me i, I just feel i would feel better about the win and i would have felt better about the loss four years ago I had the chiefs touch sure. the football. Well, i think a lot of, of folks would yeah. have so yeah of course but but I, I i still don't think it think it takes anything away from the chiefs win and i know buffalo fans yeah. would, would disagree because they they had an opportunity I mean, right. Josh Allen right. put it on a platter for the defense and they completely blew it. So, right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's quite as extreme a situation as we saw. Well, I guess you could argue it either way, I suppose. But, you know, the Chiefs could have stopped the Patriots in overtime in 2018 and they didn't. Mm -hmm. And the Bills could have stopped the Chiefs, you know, with 13 seconds. But, How hard is that? Here's, here's you know? the deal with that Chiefs team. And here's the reality of it. And maybe we didn't want to accept this four years ago. The Chiefs had an opportunity to win the game, and one of their players, and I, you may have written right. them off or whatever, was on the team at the time, D. Ford. And so they right. blew it themselves. They blew that themselves. They let it get it to was, overtime. And it wasn't the only thing. There was an no, overthrown pass earlier in the game yeah. to one yeah. of the running backs. That you know, there were there were there were other places the Chiefs could have won the game too. It wasn't just about D. Ford. Trivia question, John: Who scored the touchdown in overtime? Do you remember? Oh, no, I, I've blocked all of that out. Houston Texans legend Rex Burkhead, I believe. <laughs> that was the one who got it. Which yeah, is I've, a I've weird, blocked all that out. A weird yeah. player to score the touchdown. Okay, enough. Well, enough talking about that game. All right, uh, Patrick Mahomes has a new nickname, the Grim Reaper. How do you feel about the nickname, John, first of all? It's a little weird to me, but I get why people like it. <laughs> I just <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is going to kill the rest of the teams in the NFL. <laughs> just murder them. This game oh, after out of that bit in the Monty Python's and Monty Python's The Meaning of Life when the Grim Reaper comes to the dinner party. <laughs> you know what's getting lost in this? And this is just a bit for, for the Chiefs fans that listen to the editor show. So congratulations to you. This didn't happen. 
Adam Teicher of ESPN asked Andy Reid when things are looking grim, you know, what happens or what, you know, how, what does Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes do? And Andy Reid responded to Adam and said, right. when things are going grim, I said, hey, you know, you go and be the grim reaper. That did not occur. It didn't occur. And, and it's just a, a quippy, quick answer to Adam, but it's become Chiefs legend and, and that'll get lost with, it with folks. But I think it's cool. Reminds me of the Undertaker of the WWF. And so, of course, I'm going to like it. They called him the Grim Reaper as well. Um, but I was asking Andy Reid, this was actually my question from the press conference. I, I wanted to know about Patrick Mahomes' ultra competitiveness, and I thought he gave a pretty good answer. Yeah, well, I mean, he's a nice guy, right? We all know that. He's a good kid. You guys deal with him all the time. Uh, but down in there, he, he's gritty, man. and, and uh, he wants to he wants to get after you every opportunity he has. And most of all, he wants to make he wants to be great, and he wants people around him to be great. And he has the ability at that position to do that. And and he's not, you know, he, he's not afraid to be coached. He's not afraid to study hard. He's not afraid to work out hard. You know, go the extra mile with diet strength training, all those things, um, flexibility, he, he goes and tries to do it the best he possibly can. And as a result, you get what you got there. And what we've seen, we've, we've been spoiled with this now for the last few years. Uh, he, he's a pretty spectacular player. And, um, you know, we're lucky to have him right here in Kansas City. And so, uh, you know, and to have that grit, I, I think that tells you a little bit about him. That's a uh, that's something special. So my favorite part of this quote, John, was he wants to be great and everyone around him to be great. And and that to me was such a key to this game and so obvious in his leadership qualities. Yeah, I think uh, uh, I think that's a really good point. I mean, everybody's focused on these two quarterbacks in this game, but you also have to focus on the players who stepped up and made plays. And Davis... Uh, for the Bills was one of those players. You know, here's a guy that has done hardly anything, and when he had an opportunity to make plays, he did. And when Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill had opportunities to make plays uh, at the end of this game, they did. Um, And it's so, you know, we focused on the quarterbacks, but other players stepped up in this game. Uh, Maybe they wouldn't have with a different quarterback, but uh, they all played a big role in how this game came out. It's always going to be about the quarterback because, you know, you sometimes think about Tom Brady, you know, what is Tom Brady without Rob Gronkowski and Bill Belichick? You know, what is, what is uh, a Patrick Mahomes without Andy Reid and Tyree Cohen, Travis Kelsey? And it's still, you're always giving the quarterback the ultimate amount of pre- of, of credit. Right. And I, I right. think, I think Patrick Mahomes would be a top five to 10 quarterback anywhere. I think he's a top one quarterback because he has that quality of, being in sync with receivers and he has the blessing of Andy Reid. If Patrick Mahomes goes to Buffalo and the, there's no trade, are we really certain that he's the clear cut best quarterback in the league? I don't know about that. I really yeah. don't. And so I, I think it is a more, more of a team game than we yeah. sometimes let on. I've never been, I've never bought into that idea that if Dan Marino had been drafted by any other team, that he would have been just as effective. I've never bought into that. And I don't agree that that Patrick Mahomes would be the same quarterback if he had played for any other NFL team. I right. just can't. I just can't believe that. I think that he landed in exactly the right place. I think Dan Marino landed in exactly the right place. 
Uh, for all we know, Todd Blackledge could have been really good playing for another team. I mean, you know, you can take it the other way. So, yes, now, that matters. That matters. Trent Dilfer and Joe Flacco. I don't, I don't, <laughs> know. I don't know about those guys. All right. Next, Andy Reid point. I want to get to his comments on the Cincinnati Bengals. This was interesting to me first, and and really he made a point that the Chiefs are, are kind of behind when it comes to the Bengals. Interesting point here. I mean, since last night we were moving on to Cincinnati, I mean, it's just, you know, there's no time to to wait on that. And they had an extra day there to to kind of take a look at whatever two teams they thought they were going to play. And so it was important that we got on it and make sure we we have all the bases covered. So that's where we're, we're deep into it right now, Saran. So Cincinnati. Yeah. So the, the Bengals actually had a day advantage and you know, Andy Reed is thinking about that because had Andy mm-hmm. Reed played on Saturday, he would have had half the coaching staff on one team and the other half on the other so that they had some kind of advantage by mm-hmm. the time that Titans and Bengals game ended the week 17 game between these two teams featured Joe Burrow and he threw for more than 440 yards and four touchdowns in the win. Here was Reed on some of the problems that happened in that game. They made big plays on us and, um, and both, both sides of the ball where they, they were able to slow us down and, um, and then pick it up on the offensive, their offensive side. And um, so, you know, we've got to do a better job all the way around. Uh, special teams include we, we every phase can be better they beat us I mean they it wasn't a fluke I mean they beat us and so they're a good football team and it's important that we have a great week of preparation here and that's one reason why the urgency level was there even yesterday once the game was over to get get busy key for me there is John he he said it, it wasn't a fluke and I think that's important to remember and really to preach to your team immediately that we need to take the Bengals seriously. As great as this game was, as great as the Buffalo Bills are, Bills to me are a better team than the Bengals. Doesn't mean you could overlook the Bengals because they do have the quarterback, they do have the receiver, the defense played especially well in that game. And so I I, I appreciate Reed getting even out there. Hey, this wasn't a fluke. This team can hang with us. Right. I would have put it as it wasn't entirely a fluke, which is kind of the way I put it a little while ago when we were talking, right. when we touched on this before, uh, is that I don't think that game necessarily plays out that way every time. But it's fair to say that they that they played a big role in winning that game. It's not like they wouldn't have won it without the other things that happened. So I, I would go with it wasn't entirely a fluke uh, now that I've had a chance to reflect on it. Well, the thing that wasn't a fluke was the performance of Jamar Chase. He had right. 266 yards and three touchdowns. Here was Reed on Chase. Yeah, so he, well, he's a, he's a good receiver. He knows how to set up routes, especially for a young guy. And um, and then he's strong when he when he gets the ball in his hands. He's got great core strength and lower body strength, <clears throat> and and, um, and quick feet to go with it. So. He's a he's a complete pack. He's one of those guys that isn't six foot four, but plays like he's six foot four. He's a great range. So there's ultimate respect in this. I I think like just how we're criticizing the Buffalo Bills for allowing Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill to do what they did, and especially mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey in that final play of regulation and Tyreek Hill on the last touchdown of regulation for Kansas City. You can't let Chase beat you again here now. I think he'll get his, 
But what would be reasonable is maybe like four or five catches for 80 yards. And I think if you do that, you got to feel pretty good about the Chiefs' chances. And and I think good on them to have someone to zone in in this game. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that that's going to – I mean, how could it not be the Chiefs' plan to try and take Jamar Chase out of this game? How how could they not do that in this particular instance? I, I – but, uh, you know, he could still have a big game, you know, because sometimes they just do. They have the advantage. And this guy really does seem to have figured out how to game the system when it comes to pass interference. Now, I would also expect that um, that the Chiefs will take care to say to the officials, you need to watch this. Mm. That's a, something that people don't think about. But the teams get an opportunity to meet with the officials before the game. And they will say to the officials, okay, we've looked on the film and we see that this guy holds quite a bit. Or we looked at the film and we said, this guy, you know, has a behind the back block pretty frequently, or this guy pushes off on uh, as as an offensive player on PI. So they'll probably bring that up to the officials. uh, And we'll see. Yeah. I think the big thing that came away from the the game is, is, as great as coverage that you can have on chase and Hill is like this in a lot of ways. He can't be single covered. He just can't be because Traverius was playing good coverage. So that, that zero blitz third and long. Don't do it. Don't do it. Joe knows. Joe knows. Obviously obviously mistake. Yeah. Yeah, Joe, Joe, Joe's as good at, at, at that blitz thing as, as Pat is. And, Mm -hmm. and I think, that became apparent for the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are better for a lo- lost that game going into this one. I don't think the Bengals are beating the Chiefs twice. That's just how I feel. I agree. All right. That's Andy Reid. If you want to hear his full press conference, it was 17 minutes yesterday. So we have it again on From the Podium along with Harrison Butker uh, and McCole Hardman. Steve took care of that for us. So thank you to Steve. When we come back, we'll have our world-famous marinated takeaways and the best Chiefs thing we've seen and heard all week. Stay with us. This is the Airhead Pride Editor's Show. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. Takes time. It takes years. (laughs) That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride editor show pete sweeney john dixon coming off that chief's major overtime win over the buffalo bills i read an article this morning john from yahoo sports and it was listening to bills talk radio on monday (laughs) it was not good it was not good this is a franchise in a city that is utterly crushed by this they're similar to kansas city in that, that sense they're so into the football team and they have never won uh, a championship, so this one ha- has really hurt them. Anyway, that, enough of enough of poo-pooing <laughs> on those Buffalo Bills. When we get to this game and, and the marinade takeaways, we talked about one for you earlier, John, when it comes to the overtime rules. What else you got for us? Well, um, it's already been pointed out by our fine writers at ArrowheadPride.com that uh, Stefan Diggs was held to just seven yards on three catches. 
uh, on Sunday. But I think there, I think this argument can be extended a little bit. In that first game uh, against the Bills, Dawson Knox, the tight end, had 117 yards on three catches. Hmm. On Sunday, Knox had uh, two catches for nine yards. Okay, that's a big difference too. Um, We have Emmanuel Sanders, who had three catches for 54 yards in the first matchup. On Sunday, he had one catch for 16 yards. Uh, Cole Beasley was held to almost nothing in the first game, but actually played pretty well. Got some got some production in this game, uh, six catches for 60 yards. So the question becomes, how do you not cover Gabriel Davis, this guy who has basically been, you know, the fourth wide receiver for the Bills this year, the fourth or fifth, whatever it turns out to be? How do you not cover that guy? Well, here's the answer to that question. Because everybody else is covered. Because you have to have okay. Mike use one-on-one with him. <laughs> exactly. Right. right. Because that, everybody else, um, because Gabriel Davis was the only guy who was available because the Chiefs were other covering the other guys so well, the guys that they knew could really hurt them. And so then the question becomes, well, then why don't you start covering Gabriel Davis that way? Well, because you can't leave Stefan Diggs alone. You can't leave Dawson Knox alone. You've right. got to cover these guys. Or they're never gonna forget, hurt you. You know they're gonna Dawson Knox catching that ball and Tyron Matthew just throwing those hands in the air, looking down yeah. the field, saying, yeah. Dan Sorensen, what are you doing? This uh, marked the first divisional round in which Dan didn't have one of those major plays. And so the my divisional Dan nickname really took a hit, and that hurts, I think, in this game. Yeah, I well, would like to have seen a Dan Sorensen play. Maybe he's saving it for the AFC title. But I think this is an important piece of perspective we need to have on how the secondary played in Sunday night's game, um, they did what they needed to do is they took those other players out and credit to Josh Allen here for going ahead and taking a chance on throwing passes to Gabriel Davis. Cause you know, not every quarterback would do that. They'd, they'd try and fit in a throw to Stefan yeah. Diggs or Dawson Knox, you know, or Emmanuel Sanders rather than go to Davis credit to Josh Allen for recognizing the guy could make the plays and continuing to do that. So that comes down to, again, having a really good quarterback playing on the other team. And, and we'll, we're all in agreement that he did. But I, I think it's important for us to recognize what the secondary really did and didn't do on Sunday. And one of the things they did was take away all of their playmakers. Yeah, it's still, I think, a, a Tyron Matthew and Fenton thing a little bit because you trust sure. those guys more one-on-one. Sure. And yeah. I think it it spills into like, okay, so now Tyron Matthew becomes your slot guy and then you can have Thornhill back there and maybe those, you know, maybe it does yeah. make a difference. Totally hey, fair. Games go, games are going to go how they go. We'll never know what happens if Tyron Matthew plays in this game, but 42-36 overtime win for the Chiefs. So I know this has become a, a topic, and this is my first one, where Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey in the play of the game, in my opinion, where – Travis Kelsey gets Butker into to field goal range on the 25-yard reception. It's been widely talked about. I know they talked about it on, on Out of Structure about how Travis Kelsey was freelancing a bit, talked with Mahomes mm-hmm. prior to the snap. Mahomes saw something and saw the similar type of coverage and basically during his cadence told Kelsey to do it, looked off the safety, 
and gave him the perfect window to 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 just find the route and or the ad libbed route and, and get that that field goal range and then and the first down. So what I'll just try to add to some of it and, and you know from my experience. So in the past when we've talked to Andy Reid and and it's always a topic of Patrick Mahomes development and this is more of like off season conversations. He's always like, look, I give Patrick Mahomes to tools. We design the plays. We rep the plays. But when it really comes down to it, he has the keys. And those keys, the keys to the car essentially means he can audible at the line. He could switch into, you know, what's hot. He can do things like this with Travis Kelsey. And I think by extension, Andy Reid gives Kelsey the keys. Kelsey went up to Mahomes and said, I'm basically just going to run to where it's open. <laughs> yeah. That's like me in the backyard. That's that's not, yeah. you know, and for Andy Reid and, and Eric Bieniemy and that team to have the trust in them to be like, OK, you have the freedom to do this. I just think it was like a slight glimpse into maybe what happens quite a bit. And this is maybe the first time it really, I think, came to light. And we just kind of noticed. Does Travis Kelsey notice things on a regular basis? And he's just like, yo, Pat, I'm <laughs> going to this spot, man. Yeah. And you can just find me. And then I think back to previous playoffs and these playoffs are starting to run through in my mind. So I can't even name the exact game it was, but maybe the Texans, I don't know, but where they have this throw and they go to NFL films and it's like, how did you know I'm going to be there? And Patrick is like, I just knew, I just thought in my mind you'd be there. And, and they're like, whoa. And they like have this like stepbrothers moment. And I'm, I'm just like, maybe this is the key, man. Maybe they're just so in in sync with each other that this is why Travis Kelsey is able to to put up these numbers because how do you prepare if you're a defender how do you prepare for a route that's not on tape because he's making it up he's making it up you well you can't you You can't can't. but you can but you can and now they know to be listening to what Mahomes says in the stand. No more do it kills. You're gonna it do it do (laughs) or or he might say, you know, do it, do it, uh, do it, Marcus. You know, it's snay on the do it snay, Kels. Anyway, I just think that's fascinating. I know it's been talked about quite a bit, so I had to add to it. Um, I know we used one of yours earlier, John. I I'm going to guess you. Do you have one on Butker? Um, no, I, oh, I, I was you know, going to be upset about Butker. I got nothing I can say to you. I really, no, don't. I just figured your marinated takeaway would be on, on the ice and his veins and the kick. I, I just oh, know well, you're, but you're, this, pro, you're the special teams guy news. of this podcast for sure. Yeah. yeah. This is old news though. Okay. okay? Right. I mean, it's, you know, if I, I, if you really want to talk about special teams, I think that punt where they had two uh, punt returners on the field is interesting to think about. Uh, they messed that up. I don't know what they had in mind. I noticed it when they were lining up for it. It's like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, they got Hardman and Hill back there. What are they going to do? And, and I don't know if, uh, if the bills messed that up by kicking to the left, which they did on that play. Right. Uh, It might be that if they'd kicked it down the middle, what we would have seen is, um, you know, one of the, one of those guys throwing a pass to the other guy, well, I guess it'd be a lateral, um, you know, I, I don't know what they had in mind, but somehow it didn't play out. And, uh, uh, and, and of course the play did not go, isn't that, that's the one where the ball ended up on the one yard line, right? Right. right. Yeah. So, um, so I don't know what they were doing there. They had something going. They didn't put yeah. those two punt returners back there for no reason. 
Um, and I, so we'll just have to see if they try that again, whatever it was. Yeah, I have a quick point on that, and then I'll get to my other things quick here because um, we're trying to push along. Tyree Kill is a punt returner and a returner. It's such an advantage that I almost think the Chiefs need to consider it regularly. And I know it, it, there's a risk involved in it, and I, I understand that part of it. Mm-hmm. But just being in the punter's mind. So, I mean, either way, you're going to kick it to Hill. And he's he's the best returner in history. I mean, you could clearly see it. You can clearly mm-hmm. see it. So you're either kicking to the best returner in NFL history, or would be if he was getting the opportunities, or you're just like, well, we need to kick this out of bounds. We've seen when punters get under that pressure. So you're you're getting maybe a shake, like maybe the puncher punts it perfectly. It's rare when he has to place it perfectly, like the coffin mm-hmm. corner, for example. Mm-hmm. So you're probably getting short field every time. And I just wonder, and I you can get here from the podium later, because I'm asking Dave Tobe this. So hopefully uh, Dave is prepared by listening to our, our editor show podcast here. But I'm definitely going to ask Dave. On- Morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask this, Uncle Dave, on Thursday, do you have to consider it at a certain point? You know, I just think it's such an advantage because if you're either starting with a short field or Tyreek gets to maybe give you a short field every time, wait, you have to at least consider that. And Dave, I, I think that Dave will tell me it's not up to me and, and do a sheepish smile and, and Brad will quickly move on. But mm. it to be well, you, on you know, you make the point about it being risky, that you can't risk having Tyreek Hill back there and be exposed to snaps where people are going at him full tilt. And that's a fair point. But you also have to wonder how many times he would actually get an opportunity to catch that's the what damn I mean. ball. Yeah, that's what right, I mean. Right. I, so you're making a good point there. I'm agreeing with you. That is an interesting yeah. point. That, um, uh, that maybe that risk is is eliminated by the fact that they wouldn't even try and kick to him. I think that's right. an I think that's a fair point. Yeah. The last one for me, and and this is dual enough with Patrick Mahomes as, as not the best quarterback in the in the league. <laughs> I think I think there are quarterbacks who can play with them, and I'm not saying he's going to yeah. win every game for the rest of, rest of history. I think there will be struggles, and the Chiefs will lose football games. That's that happens to everybody. It's any given Sunday. The throws that he was making, and specifically the one to me that was so, it just it was a, a nice reminder because we sometimes forget that we're watching just un, unreal play, was the sidearm that wrapped around the defender. This isn't the first yeah. time he's done that type of throw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's like it almost like a, a, a knuckleballer or a stinker thrower in baseball, if you're a baseball fan where there was like an extra spin. There's a movie out there where they shoot the bullets and somehow they curve the bullets. It's like a sci-fi thing. That's his arm. It's crazy. It is a crazy thing to watch. Nobody can do those types of throws. And so Josh Allen played the best game of his career, one of the best quarterback performances ever, and he came up short because he was playing the best quarterback or one of the best quarterbacks ever. Now, again, those quarterbacks in the league that can play with him, but just this idea that he is not the, the best um, has to stop. And then I also think, and, and this is becoming obvious to me as you're seeing some juice with the Bengals. I think the chiefs are, are getting some of this national fatigue. We were wondering when this was really going to click in. I thought you saw a little bit, last year but i think playing the tom brady bucks helped i think that a lot of people were like we don't necessarily want to see tom brady win one but you'll be either you know facing a a 49ers team and a, and a jimmy g you're facing burrow now you know you you might be facing matt stafford who's never won before 
man, you are starting to really enter the villain territory. And I don't think it's it's a good villain because I don't think it's for being um, I don't think it's for being rude or anything or or you know almost like belichick where he's not really at all that nice to me it's just for being good and i think that it's a cool part of, of being a chiefs fan because you played this team so many times during the last couple lifetimes really mm -hmm. you know and yeah. now you're that team and and what a time to be a, a kansas city chiefs fan it really is i'll make one more point about your uh mahomes versus the world thing uh burrow or excuse me not burrow um Allen actually had a superior stat line to Patrick yeah. on Sunday. I mean, I always tend to look at the passer rating first. It's a very flawed stat, but it puts everything together. You know, the interceptions, the touchdown passes, the completion, you know, so that's got, it's got use in that sense. But uh, 